Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. This Wednesday episode, Thursday episode rather, we're joined by Rob Howe. It's, it's Howe, right? Yes. Okay. And now I know your your last name is pronounced Clough. Right. There we so go. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Howe from Hawkeye Nation and Hawk Fanatic uh, at Rob Howe HN on Twitter. Rob, first things first, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking some time and uh, going through some of our biggest questions that we have heading into fall camp. Coming quick. It's a, it seems like the uh, the time between seasons is shorter as I get older, but I thoroughly enjoy what we do, and every year I'm excited for the season. Can't wait. Love summer, but but ready for uh, media day and just a just on Friday and, and the season coming up quick. But like I said, what we're getting into today with Rob is what are questions, what questions we're hoping to have answered this Friday at Media Day or at least get some more information on. Um, and, and Rob, I'll start. We'll hop right into it. My first question is, is Caleb Brown emerging as wide receiver number one heading into uh, uh, the season not only camp, or sorry, media day on Friday, but at the very least, are we seeing some of that talent? Are we seeing him rise up among those top receivers in the program? Because I'm sure you saw the video from Iowa football. He was running with threes in practice, which at this point in time, he's figuring things out. He's getting used to it um, and catching some passes and 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 just getting his bearings. You you can't you can't freak out on on one 10 second clip, right? So. That's the first question that comes to mind for me. Again, we have we have about five per person, but is Caleb Brown emerging as wide receiver number one? Rob, do you do you think we we get that info on on Friday? What do you think that that is something that happens as the season starts to progress, at least early on within those first few weeks? What are you thinking about that? So, <laughs> having done this for a while, I kind of get a. I, at least if history holds, we get a lot of vanilla on media day. Like, yeah, he's doing great, but so is <laughs> Seth Anderson and Alec Wick and, you know, uh, Jacob Bostic. Go down the list of candidates here at this position. Um, and I think we'll get a lot of that. I think um, it's obvious they're, go they're going to need – others besides Nico Regani to be better this year. They had what 76 combined catches at the position last year. That's just not good. That's not going to work. Um, but I think he has the potential, but I also think it's important that we remember that he's only two years out of high school and he was a running back at St. Rita in Chicago. And uh, I mean, he had offers from Alabama. I mean, super, the pedigree is un unbelievable, but I just, I don't know how far along his, he is as in his development as a wide receiver. That would be my one question is how far along is he? And if Iowa can find a way to use him, not just in the slot or whatever, get the ball in his hands, get the, he's a playmaker. He's obviously incredibly talented in space as we saw in, with his high school film as a running back. That's my hope. That's my hope that they find ways to get the ball in their playmakers' hands to make plays. Yes. And 
one thing that I mentioned recently as a guest on a, on another podcast is that Iowa's offense isn't a big, it's not designed to make big plays. It's designed to methodically get down the field and score. And they, well, they didn't do a whole lot of that last year, but by way of the addition of Brown, who is a playmaker in himself, you'll get that as a byproduct. That's what you're hoping for in the addition of Brown. And now when you look past Caleb, what are we looking at for for two through four? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got Ragaini, you've got Deontay Vines. You also brought in Seth Anderson. None of these guys are are big receivers. They're all, I think, six to six foot to six two, if if I'm remembering correctly. And so how do those line up? Um, I, I think that's something that we will progressively, again, similar to Brown, progressively learn through these first few weeks. But if I had to guess right now, solely based on what we have available to us, I'd probably imagine that Ragini will be wide receiver number two, followed by Vines and Anderson kind of being 3A and 3B, if I had to guess. And just in terms of production, that's that's what we're looking at. And again, it's it's hard to judge right now with, with so many new faces, with a new quarterback. Uh, so what do you think there? Do you think there there's a maybe not a definitive hierarchy in the wide receiver group, but where do you think they fit in the two through four? And, you know, one through four, too, if you don't think Caleb Brown is going to be the wide receiver number one. I think uh, Nico's probably wide receiver one at this stage just because the guy's, what, 23? 23. Right. I mean, yeah. he knows that he, he he can play fast because there's really nothing secret with in the Iowa playbook. He knows it inside and out. So I would definitely – put him one. And then after that, I think they separate, you know, it's depending on how they do this month. And then early in the season where, especially that first game where you have a soft defense, you can kind of play with different, uh, you know, different groups. But I think you made a really good point, Elliot, with who's the X and do you, are you committed to having those three positions or can you be a little bit more flexible and not worry that you don't have a Brandon Smith on the outside or Tavon Smith or somebody like they don't have that right now. Maybe it's Jacob Bostic. Uh, you know, maybe he's the guy, he's a taller guy, angular guy. He's a guy that I think that could play that position, but he's been, he's been injured since he got here. So it's hard to know how far he is in his development. Um, but in, you know, in conjunction with the receiver position, they have that, safety net of having two just incredible tight ends. So I think that allows you to play a little bit with what you do at receiver. But I think you go in with Ragaini and Deontay Vines because the this coaching staff loves experienced players. They love <laughs> they love guys that they know more than guys they don't. That doesn't Understatement that, of the year. <laughs> does not mean that guys like, yeah, the union cards, is, right. you know, that's <laughs> right. part of the, the narrative with, with Iowa. And it works. It works. You can't knock them for that. But it's going to be a matter of how those newer guys. And, and again, with Caleb Brown, he just got here this summer, whereas Seth Anderson, even though he was hurt in the spring, had, you know, that time with the coaches and had that spring to kind of see what was going on. So. Um, I would put Vines and Ragaini as my top two right now, with knowing that the ceiling of some of the guys behind them is high. Yep. Bingo. There you go. 
I, I, I think you nailed it. I guess I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more further when things get settled in probably four, five, six weeks into the season. But at this moment in time, I think you've got it nailed uh, right there with the wide receiver position. Rob, I'll defer to you for this for this next question heading into uh, to the media day on Friday. I think, Elliot, it's the one that we all want to know and see beyond. I know everybody loves the quarterback, but I think I don't I don't think anybody's really challenging Cade at this point for that spot unless he's hurt. Um, what in the hell's going on on the offensive line, man? It's not been good. This is all this. You know, it's tight end you, but the reputation of Iowa's offensive line is legendary. And. It's been bad. Last year was awful. The year before was not very good. You can't run the football. You can't set up play action. You're starting, you know, negative plays. You're two second and 12. The play action's not going to work when you they need to be able to block better. It's the most basic concept blocking and tackling, right? And Iowa has not been able to block well the last two years. So I think we'll get some feedback on that Elliot at media day if we, if we you know talking to George Barnett and maybe get it, picking his brain a little bit about where guys stand but I think we may get even more information on Saturday at kids day who's lining up where because there are a lot of moving parts here right where's Dejon Parker where's Nick DeYoung a guy who can play inside or out um Rusty Feth played center last year at Miami, Miami of Ohio. Is he pushing Logan Jones or is he at guard? I just there's so there are moving parts here and to me it's the most important position on the team. That's the it's the position that has to take the biggest step forward this year. 100% on board with you there. That was one of my questions as well. It was the second one that I that I had written down and we talked about this, I don't know, a week or two ago Adam and I did on on the pod here. And what coach Farron said is that the offensive line group is eight, nine deep. And there are eight or nine guys that could, that could start this, this season. And we went through left tackle to right tackle. Who do we think is going to start in each position? Um, And like you said, we're going to get a good idea of that at, at kids day. I, my, my number one question is more so at right tackle than anywhere else. Because I think you're set at left tackle with Mason Richmond. I think you're set at center with with Logan Jones. I imagine left guard will be Connor Colby, just because he was so much better there than on the outside last season. I think you brought in Rusty Feth to contribute, right? And he like that dude, from name to the way he looks, he is an Iowa offensive lineman, right? With the beard and everything. I think you plug him in at right guard and roll with that. And then the biggest question for me is right tackle between Dejon Parker, uh, Jennings Dunker, and and potentially Nick DeYoung because of that flexibility with DeYoung. Um, I, I think a lot of it is I, – I, I haven't heard anything specific on um, – or as we're speaking here, Caleb Johnson just got – put on the Doak Walker watch list award. I'm sure you just got the email as well. But uh, Dejan Parker, is he 100%? Jennings Dunker, can he stay healthy? And Nick DeYoung, is he going to be good enough at that one position because of that flexibility? Is he going to be good enough at that one position to earn a spot as a starter? Or is he going to be a guy that is kind of plug and play if somebody gets hurt or if somebody starts to falter or what have you? Excuse me. Um, And what... I said about Jennings Dunker and Dejon Parker is that first of all, you brought on Dejon Parker 
to contribute, right? He's got one year of eligibility left. But if Jennings Dunker is too good to keep off the field, you're going to put Jennings Dunker on the field. And so I, I'm really ex- excited to see how things pan out. Obviously, again, it's it's another position that's going to be a little bit more malleable within those first few weeks. And, and we'll see who really fills those roles and, and stays in them throughout the season. But, you know, you throw Bo Stevens in there to a degree. He played a little bit last year. I think left tackle through right guard isn't exactly set, but it's more set than right tackle. That's the way I perceive things currently. Yes. Where are you at with that, Rob? <laughs> I didn't realize you were <laughs> ending your point. I apologize. <laughs> no, I was spacing good. out. Um, yeah, I, to me, you know, when I hear they're eight or nine or ten deep, I start to think to myself, okay, we're dealing with rotations here. We're going to deal with particularly – I don't know. Can they do it at right tackle? If you've got three guys, uh, Nick Nick DeYoung's flexibility does that, does that allow you to rotate? You know, move him in at different spots? Because I wonder. I just wonder with that many guys, can you settle before that first game of the season, or do you need to see them in game action to actually find your best five? And you mentioned Bo Stevens. I think he started ten games last year. Now he was rotating with other guys. Tyler Ellsbury played, Jennings Dunker played. Did they continue with those revolving positions or did they settle on five? And to me, I'm not sure they'll be able to answer that question on Friday. And I'm not sure they'll be able to answer it at Kids Day on Saturday. And it may take through the first game. We've seen this before in the past with rotations, particularly at guard. I think it works better there than it does at tackle. But I'm with you. I think – we're locked in at left tackle, left guard, and center. I think those are probably settled unless there's an injury. It really comes down to that right side. How do those other guys um, – how how does that competition go for those guys? I'm with you. I think you bring Feth into play. He's got one year. He's probably the favorite at right guard. It, I'm with you. It's that right tackle spot. What do they do there <laughs> with that? You know, there are candidates. Is it Parker? Because he came in and has one year. The problem with him, man, missing the spring was just that was so yeah. hard. That was that was one of those him and he and Seth Anderson missing the spring after getting them in to enroll in January really was a kick in the stones because yeah. you know that those those are 15 incredibly important practices. And I you've talked to Dejan and Seth as well, and they feel like they were got the mental reps it's not the same as being out there, right? So did that give Nick DeYoung and Jennings Dunker um, a leg up on him from the spring? Can he make up that ground this month? All questions we're going to have to see and wait to be answered. Right. I was, And you made the point just as I was about to make it. I definitely think that the spring would have helped Dejan specifically a lot. And, and Jennings Dunker only practiced three, four times this spring yeah. too. Um, so Nick DeYoung filled that right tackle role for the majority of the spring, if I remember correctly. And that's what, what Nick's great Barrett's. to have because Nick can play right tackle, left tackle, guard. He's really valuable. Definitely, especially when when you're looking at the because, you know, I hate to even put it out in the ether. Guys are going to get hurt, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's a part of the game. 
Right. So having a guy with that sort of flexibility is so, so valuable, um, especially when when your offensive line is the a key cog in the machine, especially um, with the way thing, uh, the way Iowa does things offensively. So um, I, the one of the number one positions I'm looking at is that right tackle position. I'm very excited. One thing I, I just continually hear from Coach Ferentz, but also the media is Jennings Dunker and the potential that he has. And I, I'm just really excited to see him in action, potentially at that right tackle spot. Uh, and and I, I lean it's I'm probably I guess I'm probably 50 50 between Dunker and Dejon right now at that right tackle spot because Dejon was D2, but he's also massive. <laughs> like Iowa didn't bring him in, bring him in for no reason. Dunker with the potential. He's been in the program for a little while, but they both had that injury issue. You mentioned talking with position coaches, Coach Barnett. That is one thing I'm very excited to hear about from Coach Barnett, his insight there, um, and and very much looking forward to that coming up. Because the, the jury's still out on him, right? On, yeah. on George Barnett. I mean, I know yeah. he's caught some heat because he's been the coach the last two years. We know there's nuance to it, Elliot. We know injury factors some recruiting that hasn't worked out, you know, how do you, you know, how do you account for a David Davikoff, one of your highest ranked offensive line recruits in the last decade getting hurt? I mean, that's, those are tough. Those are tough curveballs to be thrown, but I, he's got a George Barnett is, I think other than Brian Ferentz, he's the the coach under the most pressure this year for his unit to produce. And then maybe Kelton Copeland to a degree, but but I think George Barnett has to solidify his offensive line. It's a huge month for him and a huge season for him. Yes. What what it's again, what we talked about this, Adam and I did, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And what we came down to is that, well, one, as you cover recruiting as well, big offensive line guys love George Barnett. They love him. It's just been a uh, uh something that's been hammered to a bunch of really valued offensive line recruits that I've heard, but it's got to be put together on the field. Bottom line. Yep. That's, that's what you got to see this, this year in, in his coaching. Now, another position that is, is going to look fairly new that, well, it was actually the comparatively to these last two questions was if not the best it's ever been at Iowa right up there. And that's that linebacking group with Jack Campbell. You're replacing him. You're replacing Seth Benson in that second line of defense on the Iowa defense. And how are Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson meshing at the mic and the will? And for, for all we know, who's playing the mic and who's playing the will? We were told that Higgins would play the mic. Uh, it, it, we were told that in the spring. And Jackson played the mic at Virginia. I love the way Nick Jackson plays football. I'm sure the first thing you did, like I did when the rumors were going around, was look up his highlights, and the dude flies around the field. I am so excited to see him in the Iowa defense and how they are. I'm excited to see how he and Higgins mesh on the field as well because we've heard the stories about them being best friends off the field. Jay just speaks glowingly of, of Nick and what he's been able to do. Nick's a smart kid, obviously went to Virginia, right? Uh, so I'm really excited to see 
how they fill those roles. And then when Iowa does flip to that four, three it's out of the four, two, five, they technically run a four, three, but out of the, they, they truly run a four, two, five with, with the cash position and Castro playing the cash who will fill that Leo spot as well. When, when Higgins and, and Jackson are on the, on the field, um, I, I'm excited to see how that linebacking core shakes out. Do you have any insight on that? What, what do you think of, of how Jackson fills that linebacking spot? If he's at the mic, if he's at the will, where does he fit best? What Have you heard anything? Where, where are you at there, Rob? Yeah, Elliot, I think um, I, I like the fact that Jay has the flexibility to go to will if it looks like Nick is struggling with that spot because as you said he's used to playing the mic and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Alaric Jackson Tristan Wirfs situation where they wanted Tristan to play left tackle and Jackson to play right tackle but Alaric just couldn't pick up the right side and Tristan had the flexibility to play both and it worked out great and I think that was the famous quote from Tristan saying you know it's not it's like when you wipe with one hand and then try to wipe with the other hand and we're like, you know, that's probably a little bit more graphic than we need, but he got a kick out of it and we did too. But that's kind of the, when you think about oh, what's the big deal, you go from one side to the other, it's a different feel, right? And I think you see that you won't, those, they're working through that at linebacker as well with those two guys. And I, and I have confidence, Phil Parker, Seth Wallace will figure out which guy is best in which spot. And that's what this month is for. The Leo is interesting because I'll, I know Scott Docterman, my partner on the Hotspot podcast, is really good with statistics and running, you know, percentages of what uh, how Iowa lines up. And increasingly, the cash position is taking up more than – But and I think part of that last year was Justin was hurt. You know, they lose Justin Jacobs to injury. Then you're kind of forced to play more um, 4-2-5 because Justin was kind of like a – a hybrid as well because he's so athletic and that's a big loss. Um, But I think somebody like Rex Roth, the walk-on from Xavier is a guy that I know is impressed. Jackson Rex Roth, he's a walk-on, but he's impressed the coaches. And I think he's probably got a leg up on that Leo spot. I just, I wonder Elliot, how much they're going to play. I mean, you think about it, Wisconsin's going more, you know, Wisconsin isn't going to be the Wisconsin we're used to of just ground and pound. They're going to spread a little bit more, right? So you got Minnesota that's going to want to hammer you. You're probably going to need maybe an extra linebacker in that situation. But man, I would not put it past Sebastian Castro to be one of those hybrids that plays a little bit more like a linebacker than he does safety. Whereas Dane Belton and Amari Hooker were more coverage guys that could support the run. I almost see Sebastian as somebody who's better against the run, but is still competent in coverage. So I think they have some options there to work through this month, but I'm with you. I mean, you lose friggin', you know, you lose the Buckus <laughs> award winner. And then Seth Benson, I think was criminally underrated with how good he was. And then Justin Jacobs on top, all three of those guys were Buckus watch list guys at this time last year. And now you're completely switching it up. The good news is you've got a really good defensive line. I'm glad you brought up Justin Jacobs because it's it's basically swept under the rug because he was unavailable for the majority of last season, uh, and but at the same time was was 
a really nice pickup uh, in what I, I couldn't tell you what class he was recruited in, but a really, really talented player who's going to do great things at Oregon. So I'm glad you brought him up. And what what you said about Castro is is very accurate. I, I think, especially after the bowl game last year, they're really expecting him to fill a role and 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 be really good at it to, to put it in layman's terms. And, and so I think by way of their, their trust in Castro, by the way things are going offensively and Hudson card coming in to play quarterback at Purdue. There's another, there's another thing uh, that's, that's changing Nebraska. I don't know how much that'll, that'll look different in terms of the way they spread things out offensively, but um, Michigan state will be a team that I think you'll probably have to, to uh, load up against, I mean, they lost their starting quarterback and and their best receiver. So we'll see how things shake out there. We're not going to go game by game here by any means, but um, yeah, I, I I think no matter how things shake out specifically with Jackson and with Higgins, I think you're solid. I think Higgins has the advantage of being in the defense for the last four years, three four years, whereas Jackson has the advantage of playing time right? right being in the middle of the and though virginia wasn't and hasn't exactly been good in a few years excuse me but we uh we, we will see i i i have a feeling we're gonna hear from seth wallace yeah i want them to be able to play every position <laughs> that's just an educated guess you know so we'll see there you take it away for for your second question here rob i know this one will warm the hearts of iowa fans um Losing, we got to assume Aaron Blum's not going to be there, right? With the situation that's come out. Um, He worked in the spring at punting, so he was going to be the backup punter. He would have been the backup kicker. I know you can maybe help me with this, Elliot. They got a young man from Iowa Western to walk on as a punter. What's his name? Ty Nissen. Okay, thank you. Ty Nissen. I'm going to try to remember that now. I'm getting older (laughs) and my memory's not as good, but... You never think that a specialist may get hurt um, and you hope that it doesn't happen, but what do they do if Stevens or um, Tory Taylor, something happens to one of those guys, whether it's a muscle injury, you know, hey, it's a hammy, something like that. You just never know. You, you do everything to prevent that, but I just – I felt a lot better coming into um, – I felt a lot better in the spring about having because Tori said that Aaron was picking up the punting really well. So that kind of that kind of safety net was um comforting and now it's gone. So to me, I, I would want to ask Lavar, what's the plan there? And then also, um, what's how how's the return game shaping out? Who's you know, you figure Cooper DeGene's gonna be the punt return. I looked this up, Elliot. He he Failed to qualify by just a few returns. He had 10 punt returns and averaged 16 and a half yards a punt return, which is insane. He would have finished second nationally with that number had he qualified. So as much as it's you're, you're and this would probably come to an, uh, one of our other questions uh, about the secondary, but you got to use him at punt return. He's too valuable there. What do they do at kick return? Do you want Caleb Johnson to do it again? Your, your main running back. 
So those are always interesting questions for me. The special teams questions: who, who's who's stepping up? At, you know, on on return teams and coverage teams. Who are your return guys? And then to me, the most obvious question is: what happens if Tory or, or Drew were, were to get hurt? Right. Yeah. I. Yes. So obviously, you have to assume Nissen will come in if Tory gets hurt. Right. My. My concern there, number one, is Drew Stevens. Are, are you going to trust Tory Taylor to be your backup kicker? Are you going to trust Ty Nissen to be your backup kicker? This isn't Madden, folks. It's not plug and play. These guys, uh, are you having Nissen practice both? Are you having Tory Taylor practice both? What are you doing there? Are you going to try to get another Juco kid to come in and kick? Or are there still kickers in the portal that you could could bring in? I think... You'd think they would have looked at that right away like they did with Nissen and brought somebody in because if you're in the portal right now, if you're still in the portal, you're taking any and every opportunity you can get. Yep. If you're coming out of JUCO and you have that opportunity, which was a a total strike of luck for this program to to have that guy come in because he, was, he went to a, a, a camp at Iowa, a, a prospect camp uh, with with specialists. And so LeVar Woods knew him. They had the contact information. It was, it, I, you know, I don't know the exact details of it all, but you have to imagine it was, oh, crap, call tie. You know, like, yeah. like do that right away. And, and so do you trust the versatility of a JUCO walk-on? Do you want Tory Taylor, who's going to be in the NFL next year, to take the time to think about kicking, to, to focus on kicking? Does Tory Taylor want to do that? You know, I, I don't. Tory doesn't strike me as a as a guy who will be selfish and say I'm not kicking. I think what it would come down to is looking for to that future and how he can really hone his craft as a punter and and still remain among the best and and continue to to grow. So I I think that's the the issue you look at with with Tory and and hoping that uh, Drew Stevens obviously obviously stays healthy as he is. Uh, a great kicker and, and is now on scholarship too. So I think we'll, well, that that's going to be a question. I think we, we both have for, for LeVar and LeVar said that Blom was picking up punting well too. It wasn't just Tory. So I'm definitely intrigued there. And, and, and continuing on to, to special teams, you have to think it's going to be Cooper, right? I mean, with just how well he did last year as a punt returner, you know, when he was in high school, he never left the football field. So I'm sure he's thrilled to be out there as much as possible, still covering punts and, and stuff like that too. I don't, Cooper doesn't strike me as a kick return guy either. Yeah. I think he's your, he's your punt returner. Now, when you look at kick return, I don't think you want Caleb Johnson doing those duties either. I would agree. Are you looking at throwing out a freshman to handle those duties? Terrell Washington, Alex Moda. Alex Moda was a state champion in, in track, ran 10. Oh, geez. Putting myself on the spot. 10 6, I think, in the 100 is junior year. One of the fastest. And I think he set this. I, I mean, he may not have set the state record, but it was fast. And so are are you are you going to put that in the hands of of a freshman like you did with Caleb Johnson? Are you going to look at the defensive back group and and see what they've got to offer some of that youth back there 
that's 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 a that's a great question to have because looking at there's no obvious choice right now i mean do you want to throw caleb brown in there to return kicks now too i asked him about returning punts he said he wants to be involved in that too as well that's probably going to be something for the future just because of how good cooper was that that won't be an indictment of caleb brown nor his talent nor the trust you have in him but just how damn good cooper was at it last year right yeah no doubt and i mean just to to wrap up the special teams conversation we know how important this phase is to Iowa. This, I'm not saying it's not important at places like Ohio State or Michigan or places like that, but it's such a key component to what Iowa does all, all around the special teams. And, you know, the, they play close, Iowa plays close games. You need to get, you need to be able to win field position and you need to have a kicker. I mean, think about the kickers that, that have names at Iowa because of the kicks that they've made from Keith Duncan to Nate Kading to Marshall Kane, Daniel Murray against Penn. I mean, there's going, there are going to be big kicks for the place kicker during a season. It's just the way it is. And then from a return perspective from kick, it seems like LaVar's starting to defer is the right word, but he favors running backs back there we've seen Gavin Williams back there and he's now in northern Illinois I think he could have been but maybe somebody like Jazz Patterson who is right now the third running back behind Caleb Johnson and and LaShawn Williams but maybe he's a guy that goes back there I think Terrell Washington's a great candidate maybe Moulton is a a guy who's probably not going to get run as a running back maybe you try him out there I bet you all those guys are getting looks this spring right and to yeah, you mentioned the 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 favoring of a running back. That's clearly true. I I'm, I'm thinking of this freshman class and the speed they bring to the table as well. I first thought of Moda, Aiden Hall, plenty quick. This plenty quick as well. I I don't I don't think that that he's going to be necessarily a kick returner. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. He's also he was coming off a hamstring issue that that hampered his his track season this last year. So we'll see how that progresses. But uh, we will we will find out now to continue a little bit of that betting conversation and and keeping it with the personnel. Any update on Noah Shannon? That's going to be a question for me, too, for sure, because one thing we've we've continuously talked about as well is the depth of the defensive line. If there's going to be a player missing and a player with that that's of that caliber that has been around for that long and any position missing not that you want it to be missing but it's the defensive line that's that's where you you'd prefer to have that 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 i guess void so to speak has he been participating in camp i don't believe that's been answered i don't think anybody asked that at any point in time at least i haven't heard anything about that and if he's out who's going to serve as that starting one tech defensive tackle, is it Aaron Graves? Is it YA Black? Will they both be playing that one tech position? Because uh, Graves has grown significantly. The dude has put on a bunch of weight. He was good. he was great as a freshman on the D line. Obviously, it's going to be a rotation. And and how are things going to rotate there? Because that one tech position in the defensive line is so important in terms of the run game, especially not necessarily the pass. If it if it comes to fruition in the pass game where he ends up with a sack, what have you, awesome. But it's it's a, a whole plugging position in the run game specifically. And who's going to fill that void? 
Yes. And that's, I'm, I'm sure what they're attempting to find out. Um, I, I wonder how somebody like Ontario Thompson, uh, who, who was really good at, at Iowa Western, if, if he can make a push here as well. I, you know, I thought to myself, Elliot, okay, they were willing to bring Noah to Indianapolis with us for Big Ten media days. So does that mean that they don't think what he did or the, at least the information they have right now is that it wasn't as severe maybe as something that some of these other guys, Hunter Deckers, for instance. Um, yeah. So the, it feels like they feel comfortable that Noah's not going to miss a lot of time if he misses time. He can still practice like the baseball guys did uh, in the spring. So I think he's okay there. Um I also have heard, and I don't want to, th I'm not throwing names out there for people that are listening, and I'm sure you probably have heard this too, that they may have another guy who's in, a guy or two in the secondary that could be involved in this. So that's interesting. I just don't think they're going to tell us about that on Friday. It's kind of one of those things as this whole gambling thing has has um, unfolded, we really don't, none of us find out, including the Iowa coaches, until the investigators make it public. So we're kind of stuck here in a holding pattern until they're ready to release the findings of the guys that are being investigated. And it sucks. It sucks for these guys that have a very small window of time to be able to play. Right. Exactly. And especially for a guy like Shannon, who would be in his last year right. of eligibility. So, and I mean, you can't, you can't play him in in these situations because if it does come forward then you <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's not good um so uh, it, it's it's a situation that yeah you said it it sucks it just sucks it, it's unfortunate for for everybody involved and and you hope that more of these things that start to surface aren't as drastic and, and i think because we haven't heard more i think what they're doing current well it's all just conjecture at this point you have to imagine they're just going to continue to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig into this because when you have starting quarterback for iowa state get involved in this you have to know that there's more and there's going to be more and more and so this isn't over and, and we will see how how it continues to develop i'll defer to you for for another question here rob I'm kind of out of questions, Elliot. I can think about um, – I'm trying to think here. Maybe backup quarterback? Because it seemed like – you hope that Cade is able to play start to finish, but Iowa has been pretty fortunate, and we saw what happened uh, in the Nebraska game last year when this starting quarterback was knocked out. It's interesting because the depth chart that and, – and for whatever that's worth, coming into camp had – Labus ahead of Deacon, whereas Kirk kind of indicated in his last spring press conference that Deacon was ahead of Labus. It's important to figure out who your backup is because that person gets a lot of, or not a lot, but a decent amount of reps during the week uh, with the starters, at least some reps with the starters, whereas the third, it's tough to get three guys reps. So I'm interested to see how that competition is going uh, this spring as well, and how much insight they will give us on that. Yeah. So by the sounds of it, we had basically the same questions. So into that <laughs> into that backup quarterback 
thing, uh, the conversation. It was surprising for me to hear that Deacon Hill had usurped that number two spot. And again, Kirk said, you know, it's, it's all fluid still where it was the spring, what have you. What I've heard and seen from Hill is that he's got a cannon. Uh, Labus, I think you have to defer to because he's been around and he knows the offense. Hill is getting to be a big boy from what I've seen. He's up to 260. So if he is that third string or the second string for what have you, maybe he's just your QB sneak guy at this point <laughs> and hoping he can replicate what Nate Stanley did with all the, the QB sneaks. But I, I imagine just based on, you know, he Labus wasn't anything crazy in the, uh, in, in the bowl game by any means, but he, they did score a touchdown, which <laughs> wasn't exactly easily accomplished by the offense throughout the season. So I, I, and obviously you throw him into a tough situation with that. He had a little while obviously to prepare, but I, I I'm intrigued by that as well. And I, I think one thing that, well, one thing that did stand out to me about the spring is the connection that Deacon Hill had with Addison Ostranga. They were connecting on on some some pretty deep passes and and they were fun to watch. So so I'm intrigued what happens there. I'm intrigued to see if Deacon Hill continues to put on weight and and how that how that shakes out. But uh, I, I I think either of them can can take on that role and whether or not either of them will be a starter in their time at Iowa, barring injury, is is up for conversation. I think I saw your conversation with James Reeser. I think he's going to be awesome. I've I've heard some positives about Marco Linez as well. He's an, another guy that's a little bit more mobile, and I think he fits the mold of of being an Iowa quarterback. So he continues to grow. Reeser comes in. Uh, who knows with the 2025 class? Obviously, and Mansky is their their top priority at the position for now. But and, and you look, you look McNamara at very well may come back next year too, based on eligibility. Uh, yeah, I was going to make that point, and then you have to figure whoever loses that competition for number two may not stick around. We see the movement now at quarterback. You know, look at the room from last year. You had. Petrus, Padilla, and and Carson May, they're all well, Padilla's or uh, Petrus is still here, but more in a coaching role than a playing role. It's been a complete, mostly complete turnover, with the exception of Joe Labus. So it's like if it, it's important to figure out which of those guys can be that two. Because, again, I think whoever doesn't feel like they have a pathway to playing time, we could see him move on in December or even after the spring next year. And, and a lot of that depends on what you said. A good point that you made, Elliot, was is with Cade McNamara. Is he a two-year guy or is he a one-year guy? Yep. And on top of the names that you mentioned, two years ago, Deuce Hogan, who's now a walk-on right. at Kentucky which was just the strangest move in the world to me. And, and you know, at, at this point, having, having covered FCS football, I could see these guys saying, you know what? And, and what's been a common theme for these guys that moved down from move down and per, in parentheses in, in quotes, I almost said parentheses in quotes, moved down from the FBS to the FCS or, or you know, may, very well moved a group of five, like, like Alex Padilla did to, to SMU is that, more than anything now he may with play the way in they, ACC. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. I just No, you're you're okay. 
with the way the transfer portal is now and to boot being a division one football player on scholarship comes with a bit of ego. And that is totally fair. If you or me were in that position, we'd feel the same way. And these guys want to play. They have an opportunity to play somewhere and to go to school for free. Sure. They want the facilities of a, of a P five program, but if they have an opportunity to go somewhere and play and be successful, for example, this is like the second or third time I brought up his name, but Theo Day, who is now among the best quarterbacks in all the FCS after transferring from Michigan State to UNI now and being under Bodie Reader as, as OC. Uh, and that's an easy example for me, but who knows I, what, what's going to happen, whether or not Cade returns. If I had to guess, Cade returns, but that's, you know, that's, that's a ways out. If he throws for 30 touchdown passes in the fall, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, not that I'm exactly projecting that, but yes, quarterback quarterback remains a, a question almost at all times, whether it's your, your second string, first string, what have you. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any more questions, Rob either. So this was fun, man. This is, this is great stuff. Really good info uh, for, for our listeners. And, and we'll get this out the day before media day. So that can be listened to then and and hopefully we'll get these at least some answers to our questions on friday uh looking forward to that my first football media day at iowa so other than big 10 media days obviously so so i'm very excited about that and uh we'll see you there rob and and we'll have some fun yeah thanks for having me out elliot it was a good conversation i enjoyed it awesome we'll wrap it up here we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of hot cast with rob howe at rob Rob Howe HN. Yes. Rob yes. Howe HN on, on Twitter. Um, this is all brought to you by uh, Iowa.rivals.com. Go Iowa. Awesome. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today. Iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. You can send us questions there. You can also leave a five-star rate and review on Apple podcasts to leave a question. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. So you don't miss an episode and you can always catch up with us there for now. We'll see you next time.